You're listening to the Salty Sex Cast with Pamela and Mariah. Yeah, and what's puberty? The sex education you wish you had in high school. Maybe a diagram will help. Hello, welcome to the Salty Sex Cast. It is Mariah here with a fantastic guest. I'm so excited <laughs> to have you. Um, probably the biggest guest we've had, maybe oh, wow. local celebrity. No, I'm just Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know. But um, really one who just uh, aligns with our, our values, our message that we're always trying to share on the Salty Sex Cast. So I have Natasha Helfer here. Will you introduce yourself to our sure. listeners? Yeah, no, I'd love to. Um, so I'm Natasha Helfer. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and also an ASEC certified sex therapist. Um, been licensed as a marriage and family therapist for almost 25 years. It's crazy to say that. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then uh, ASEC certified for uh, a little bit over 10. Wow. So I've been working in the intersection of um, marriages and families and sexuality and religion and faith and spirituality for most of my career. With a little bit of like opioid, because I started off in the uh, in the methadone clinics. Yeah, <laughs> my first two years. <laughs> Got to get your time in, yeah, you know, as a therapist. Right, right, right. right. So um, I had a little bit of that experience right off the bat in Detroit, but after that, pretty much um, through my communities, just being referred to. You know, I was LDS, of course, so lots of LDS referrals, but also just in my local communities, either through insurance companies or referrals through other churches and pastors and things. So I've worked with a variety of people, LDS, Catholic, Hispanic. I speak Spanish. My mother's from Argentina. So I I offer Spanish therapy as well. So there's always an intersection of a lot of different people who show up. And navigating a lot of complicated moving pieces that really make a person a complicated moving person, right? <laughs> like, how do you fit all of that? How do you balance it? What's important? How do you get like a healthy, holistic approach when you're navigating all of those different things? And maybe when some of them don't align? Mm, yeah, well, that's a really good question. I think that... Um, why therapy training is so ongoing and long is because there are so many things to consider. Um, you know, probably a lot of people who've maybe taken Psych 101 can think of the biopsychosocial model, right? So that's like what's going on with your biology, what's going on with your psychology, and what's going on with your social networks. Okay, well, what about your culture? What about your race? What about your religion? What about your family? What about your family mental health history? What about... Um, you know, where you come from, even just uh, ethnically and all of that stuff. So there's a lot of things to consider and people come in usually wanting solutions to problems and um, and they usually want them within six sessions. <laughs> and so you have to try to think about, uh, okay, well. That's interesting because yeah. that's the free sessions you get from work usually. <laughs> I wonder, oh, if there's for, a, for, yeah. I wonder if there's um, a coincidence there. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're talking about the EPA, right? The Employment Assistance uh, Program? E- EAP, Assist- yeah. EAP, sorry. Yep, yep. Employment Assistance Program. <coughs> and, yes, they usually cover six sessions. Um, and for a while there, most insurance companies were covering about 12. Now they're more, there's more leeway, usually, mm-hmm. with most. We don't have to get so many, so much um, approval, but... Yeah, it's a little unrealistic, and it's very American, right? It's yeah. very American oh, yeah. uh, in the sense Fix of, like, me. Chop, real quick, chop, give me the pill, let's uh-huh. get going. <laughs> oh. I want a solution to my problem. And there are, there's a lot of things that with some education and some strategies and some, you know, kind of basic, um, kind of just me- meandering, especially, like, I'm thinking marital counseling. You know, you can give them a few tips and a few books and a few things to think about and... With a low kind of conflict couple where there isn't maybe a, a huge intersection of issues, you can get a lot done in six sessions. Yeah, oh you know, yeah. For sure. But if you've got past trauma, complicated things going on, maybe um, a mental health disorder, um, and then on top of it, sexuality issues, and then on top of it, a religion who is 
uh, telling you how to live your life in certain ways as far as what's going to be considered okay or righteous or worthy, Mm. then now you've got an intersection that's much more complicated and probably will take more than six to 12 sessions to figure out. Yeah. So another service that you really um, center around is mixed faith marriages. Say, I think this is a service we need so much more assistance in because how often does someone feel pushed into getting baptized or becoming part of a member of the church that their spouse is or the person that they want to marry so they can be together. And then it really just kind of stumbles from there and and slowly breaks down. Like, what are you seeing with some of that? I think that's a really good question too, because before we started recording, we were talking about Christopher Hitchens and he's like a famous anti-theist and he had a Greek Orthodox wedding and a Jewish wedding. And he got like, I don't, I don't know what the word is, but he paid they he paid the people who ran the church to be a part of the church so that he could get married to that woman. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And then there's a world-famous atheist. Yeah. <laughs> right. How would you work on something like that right, in six right, sessions? Right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Give me, like, session one, where we, where we want to be when we walk out the oh, door. <laughs> that's a tall order. That's funny. Well, you know, with mixed-faith relationships, it's interesting because... Um, well, I don't know if you know, the National Pew came out recently and said that yeah. here in the United States, I think we're only now 45%, if I'm pulling that out yeah. of my... We both kind of danced a little. <laughs> Less than half. I know, we totally danced. Less than I was half like, yes. consider themselves re- religiously affiliated, which is different than spiritual, mm-hmm. you know, which 100%, is to, yes. to kind of differentiate between those two. Can you and, lift your mic just a little tiny? Yeah, and then... Um, so you want to talk into the side of the mic and not the top. Yeah. No. We're going to just... I think it's rotating. Everything. Is it rotated? There we go. It looked like it is, but now we're good. Yeah. Okay. Good. If that's comfortable, yeah, you're break. good. Okay. <laughs> nice little sound break. Is that what you just said? <laughs> Did I say that? I thought... I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's okay. Sorry. We're, we're experimenting without headsets for right. the first time. I know. Okay. It yeah. is kind of... I feel raw. I feel naked. Well, it's always good to be naked. naked on the podcast. <laughs> oh, no. Isn't there another podcast with that name? I don't know. <laughs> the Naked Podcast. We have always talked about doing a naked episode. Brady's going to a nudist I'm going to a nudist resort. resort. Well, I've campground. been. Campground. Uh, yeah, clothing optional campground. Okay. I've been. My wife hasn't. Okay. So she said she'll give it a shot. She'll go to shop? Is that what she'll, she'll give it a shot. Oh, she'll give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's great. Yeah. I hope you all have fun. So we've always just laughed about, like, let's take the, the podcast with us and do a <laughs> podcast with us. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I think we should. I think you should as well. Okay. okay. Um, the therapist said. Yeah, that yeah. sounds like a prescription. <laughs> that's a prescription. It's a body image prescription. I think that's the healthiest I'm, thing for body image. It's to seeing other bodies normal and not hidden and... Yep. Yeah. When I went, when I was 19, I was in really good shape and still didn't have great confidence. And then by the time I left there, I was like, yeah, like I'm doing fine. Not bodies even worried are, about it. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All bodies. All lovely. Yep. Yes. Um, <clears throat> okay. So back to mixed faith. Marriages. Yes, please. Sorry. <laughs> so I think what we're seeing, I mean, there's a difference between a mixed faith marriage where they start off mixed faith, you know, mm-hmm. where they're dating and they understand that they're mixed faith mm-hmm. and having kind of some of those conversations before they get married. Oh, yeah. Versus a couple who you know, gets married, has a certain idea of what life is going to look like, especially in a high demand religion like Mormonism that has a lot of, um, what do I want to say, has a lot of lifestyle markers, mm-hmm. right, about what our life is going to look like, how we're going to yeah. raise our kids, etc. So, yeah, if you have a mixed faith relationship in the middle of your Mormon marriage, that's probably going to feel really threatening, really off balance oh yeah feel really confusing it can feel like a betrayal and um it can feel really um threatening and 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 unfortunately i think a lot of people divorce at that time um sometimes sometimes it's the last straw that broke the camel's back right like marriage wasn't that great to begin with and they were really struggling and so then this is kind of like the last thing or they got married super young because of religious reasons and maybe didn't really know who they were yeah. yeah, although that's complicated, too. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's a lot of myths around how we get married young and whether or not we know each other enough. And there's some really good research to show that you should probably know each other 
for two to three years before you commit to something like that. Mm -hmm. But there's also really good research to show that we marry and attract people without a lot of knowledge as to why we do. And so, you know, it's so a lot of people who get divorced, for example, um, there's a higher likelihood of divorce in a second or third marriage. And a lot of times we just attract the same kind of problems. So sometimes mm. age doesn't matter as much as we think, and sometimes it does. Oh, it it's just sense. a complicated, it's a nuanced Work on your damn issue. self before you fucking get married is really all we're trying to say. I will say it for you, Natasha. It's okay. It's it's something, I feel like it's a pretty common theme on Reddit, it, too. Yeah. To yeah. see people that are like, uh, so like me and my wife got married in the temple, and then I started reading, and now I'm questioning things, because none of this is like... Mm-hmm seems real to me anymore and then i don't know what to say our whole life is based off of this so i mean i really i i think in my own marriage so my husband and i both grew up lds and then um he both of us had a first marriage this was our second marriage so we got married civilly with what we like to call before you go through the temple and then went through the temple after a couple of years i think it actually took us a couple years to finally say yeah this is what we want to do and then because i my first marriage wasn't lds it was very i was always just kind of like the black sheep in the mormon family if you call me that um and had tattoos had a different lifestyle all sorts of things and he was kind of like what was that like um and he wanted to know and he wanted tattoos and i think it kind of just started that way to go and i was like you ruined him do it (laughs) and i'm still pretty sure i'm blamed to this day for from his family of taking away from the church Mm. but it really was kind of um i was waiting for him Mm -hmm. to finally say hey I'm not sure this is for me. I'm like, yep, good. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Run. So, yeah. Grab your things and run. Yeah. Cause well, I'm like, yeah, I'm miserable. That's another presentation <laughs> that can happen. And you know, all marriages, it's funny how people will say, Oh, you influenced my child or you influenced. Well, of course you did. You're married. You're supposed to influence each other. <laughs> good. That influence can go both ways. That's a that's good like. call out. I think it really is so important. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You want that to happen in a healthy marriage to be together and have those decisions together. I would much rather kind of go with that person and explore and then kind of be like, no, you do your own thing. Yeah, oh, that's I was, hard. I was pushed Gottman's work, John Gottman. I don't know if you're aware of him, but um, he wrote Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. And that's mm-hmm. one of his principles is allow for your partner to influence you. Because mm-hmm. if all you want to do is get it your own way or only what you're comfortable with, well, you're going to have a lot of issues anyway. But the ways that your partner is different from you are assets, usually, even oh. if they're a little scary or even if they're a little um, off-putting at times. And, and oftentimes I noticed she looked at me when she said that. <laughs> <laughs> and I even got like a hand wave. <laughs> Brady. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Well, like, for example, you know, when you get married to somebody, it's like, oh, my gosh, she's so spontaneous and fun. And I just love her. And then later it's like, well, she's flighty and unorganized. Oh, but it's the same. But it's the same trait. It's just now right, looked with a different view right. and positive Versus or negative. Like, oh, he's so responsible and in control of everything. And now he's like a controlling, controlling. asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like. I it's can the see those ebbs and flows right. in my marriage for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, really, yeah. yeah, you do. And, you know, I always want someone's strengths to complement my weak points you know and i feel like obviously but that's why i married jamie yeah yeah she truly is yeah the only she's, reason you're still standing today she a coherent is, human being no i'm just kidding I love well you. she's marlon in finding nemo and i'm dory <laughs> so this is too <laughs> finding nemo <laughs> if it wasn't for her i'd be lost in the ocean oh that's cute <laughs> But remember, too, that you're more similar than you think. We're always mm-hmm. more similar than opposite. You know, they always say yeah. opposites attract, but it's just the opposite things that you notice. The similar things you stop noticing. Yeah, that's, well, that's they don't a really rub. good point. There's no yeah. friction. It's just kind of the flow. And then, you know, the, the, the things that kind of do show are the ones that are like, eh. Yeah. I don't see eye to eye on that. Yeah. Why? <laughs> well, the last thing I'll say about mixed faith relationships, unless you want to stay there, but um, one of the things that happens when you go through a faith identity crisis, um, whatever you want to call that, faith transition, faith crisis, spiritual flow, whatever, 
lots of fun names for that. And but it really does it does invite kind of a reworking of your entire identity. Entire. How you think about yourself, who you are, why you're here. Like all the typical Mormon questions, right? That your support I don't know. Is your system. audience fairly Mormon? Like do they understand Mormonism or um like Mormon questions are like, why are you here? Mm-hmm. Where are you going? Where did you come from? And Mormonism, like many religions have really great answers to that, you know, like Heaven and hell is obviously a very simple one, right? Like you're going to heaven or hell. You have that purpose, that why you're, you know, and it makes the unknowns less scary because you have like some direction. Yeah. And so you really have to think about why am I choosing this over, you know, why am I choosing to be kind to someone today? Mm -hmm. Because now I don't have this. Right. Reason or, you know, or at least what I thought was a reason to be, to choose the right yeah um i couldn't even <laughs> say it to this. Choose the i know right? <laughs> i do troll my husband once in a while to sing primary songs the worst is yeah but um but part of that is your sexuality huge. oh you know my so goodness. that's a huge part because yeah. again in most traditional conservative religions sexuality is not something that's necessarily encouraged to explore much Mm-mm. In general, even even though they'll say, well, Pretend yes, it you, doesn't can exist. Be, you can be sexual in a marriage. It's about the information that you get about yeah. sexuality. So, you know, it really starts creating, like, a lot of the things, like, even what your husband's, you know, like, tattoo. Like, oh, I haven't done that. Or I wonder what it would have been like. Or yeah. You've had a threesome. I want a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> I call it the sexual what if syndrome. <laughs> Oh. So, you know, like, what if I hadn't been born Mormon or Catholic or Muslim or, mm. you know, what if I would have been able to explore my sexuality in a different way or had grown up in a different culture, different family? What would my life be like today? Yeah. Now, some of that is grass is greener because I've worked with a lot of different cultures and a lot <laughs> of different people. And I don't see, like, one culture that's got sex all figured oh, out. Oh, I was hoping great. you were going to tell me which group to join. <laughs> Damn Brady it. was ready to go. I had a, my money. I got a pen and everything. I was like, I, "Is there a baptism? How do we get into this group?" I was goes streaking I, through the field. No. That, um, but in higher demand religions, there is a higher cost, right, mm-hmm. to sexual purity mm-hmm. and how you feel about yourself and the messages that you're given about yourself and the parameters that you're supposed to stay in. Yeah, and this is where. Um, it's 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 hard for me to swallow because I think that's where a lot of my uh, spiritual trauma has come mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. Is feeling worthy? Yeah. Is is not feeling worthy because of very normal things my body, my physiological states were doing all sorts of things, and now I'm this horrible person. How dare mm-hmm. you have hormones and desires? Right. And it it was okay, really hard. Fist bump because that's me too. So now oh, I'm fist bumping everybody. <laughs> I think there's a lot of collective. I mean, yeah. and in fact, this is kind of my new project after this whole experience I've went through mm. is to collect. Um, I'm going to start a new website called Mormon Sexual Shame Stories. Ooh. So it's just we kind have, of like because um, I've collected so many without even meaning to through this whole experience, and um, and I think that that's important to tell the stories of how these. Maybe well-meaning teachings. Um, I mean, caused a lot yeah. of havoc. A lot of havoc, personal havoc, relational havoc. Trying to fit yourself into a box that you don't fit into, and then marrying yourself from that box into a long-term, like eighty-year relationship these days. If we live that long, <laughs> is really problematic. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I think that's beautiful. So let us know when this project goes off. Okay. We will support you 1000%. <laughs> okay. Absolutely love that. We we might have someone to connect you with who is a post-Mormon coach. And um, we had her on our podcast as well. And she collected a bunch of data and story mm-hmm. that we could share yeah. on stories yeah. that we could share. And it was really just, yeah, the more I feel like, and, and it is somewhat healing for me too, to also share my experiences and kind of be like, oh, I wasn't alone in that. Ah, uh, huge to validate that fear and shame. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, and that can be something as simple as masturbation, right? Which is kind of a pretty human, normal thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But then it goes into gendered messages, right? What does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to show up sexually as a woman or a man, mm. both in your body? You mentioned body image, but also in like initiation, who initiates sex? Yeah. What do you say during sex? Am I going to be acting like a porn star if I'm super, you know, like excited during my sexual encounter with my husband? So, e you know, even like cisgender heteronormative people struggle a lot mm -hmm. and then add to it of course exponentially if your gender identity doesn't match with the binary yes if your sexual orientation doesn't match with heteronormativity then you've got you know layer upon layer and then not to mention of course race you know like um as i've been listening to a lot of the black lives women's um black lives matters women like at asec conferences they talk mm. about um, how they're treated just in our country as sexual objects, yeah. which has been very eye-opening for me to be listening oh to those kinds gosh. of stories. Historically, like in the last that's... five to ten years, I've been attending those kinds of conferences. So uh, it's like intersection, right, upon intersection. Um, how complicated, and we just have to peel it off one layer at a time. Mm -hmm. Pull it back and... Give folks resources, mm -hmm. support. Yeah, normalize. Um, <laughs> normalize is a huge, yeah. <laughs> and have, uh, you know, we, we were just talking about like language and vocabulary and just kind of changing that and to kind of be more open. I think even the word, I remember growing up in my Mormon family, sex was mm -hmm. the three letter of the four letter words. Yeah, S-E-X. Like you couldn't oh my say gosh, sex. Yeah. You had to spell it. Like I just remember. <laughs> Yeah. We did. I do. I think, I I think until one. until we I was like sixteen, and then I was like, but even saying sex when I was sixteen felt like a weird word to say. Like I was more comfortable saying fuck than sex. Yeah, yeah. And then it wasn't until maybe a couple of years ago that I could say sex without like sort of feeling weird that I've said mm. the word sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's ingrained, right? I mean, yeah. it's like these. I couldn't even ask my work my first wife for sex. Mm. I, I would have to say, "You want to do it." Mm. you know or hey i've right. taken upon myself to start using different words each time i initiate just to mix things up oh that's fun <laughs> just like to be idea. like well and um <laughs> because and i'm not sure by the way saying do you want to have sex is better than do you want to do it <laughs> I, well i mean i just i it never just depends on your uh, life i guess like, it depends yeah, <laughs> yeah like, let's go make a mess in the sheets <laughs> Yeah, see, I don't think that works for Jamie either. <laughs> like, I think like, I think that's a stylist. See, that's part of marital contracting. Yeah. <laughs> what do you like, baby? <laughs> right? How do you Sex? want me to initiate? Do you want to be intimate? I still can't say. Do you want to go make love like that? Like, uh, like I don't know. That one's just weird <laughs> to me. See, I think it's it, really, it, it totally is different. I think my husband knows that, so he'll every once in a while he'll pull it out for me. But I'm like, oh. Uh. But that's interesting about the sex because you know I've tried to present here in utah and do like workshops mm -hmm. and i'd always have sex in the name and about 20 people would show up mm. and all of my you know like therapist friends would say you can't present here in utah and have sex in the name you yeah. have to call it intimacy but then i was like but i don't want to because <laughs> i'm not talking don't about tell intimacy me what to i'm do. talking about sex <laughs> <laughs> marital relations <laughs> yeah so that is interesting but you know i could see that like who wants to show up at a sex workshop where mm -hmm. other people are going to be when it is so taboo um i'm picturing erotic carpentry. erotic carpentry i still remember <laughs> filling out when i was 16 filling out my driver's license paper and it said sex and i was like <laughs> <laughs> because it was just such a taboo word for so long yes please <laughs> m for more is that what that means f for <laughs> four more i don't know <laughs> but yeah like it's just it really is the the language we start using and uh, we've even found on social media a, a lot of our other podcast friends who share the same messages or other things they just have to like put the star for the e when they write sex and i'm like sex salty sex cast is in our name am i gonna have to start editing mm -hmm. it so we probably are completely censored on certain things yeah. which i've had that problem too mm -hmm. on facebook and things like yeah. i'll just be trying to give sexual education because the word sexual is in there mm. for I'm anyone to visit blind. our patreon they have to put in the address forward slash salty <laughs> sex cast they can't just search us 
we won't show up in Patreon search because we're adult content. Yeah. Yeah. But Positive yet, message. But yet the, yet the 10-year-olds can find the porn, no problem. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> right. Oh, <laughs> my <laughs> Better believe it. Better, yeah, just, uh. Oh, man. Right. So have you seen a shift in like people that are interested in coming to you for help with like sort of, because you've kind of gained some notoriety over this whole thing. You mean after the sex communication? Yeah. Uh, Well, I don't know because I haven't been back to work. Tomorrow's my first time. Oh. I'm so sorry. It sounded like you said sex communication. Sex communication. (laughs) And I feel like we need to know. That's going in the glossary. That is going in the glossary. I think I'm actually going to borrow that one. Please do. You heard it here first on the Salty Sex Cast. There you go. Because they're trying to censor you. You were scary. You threatened messages even though they were very healthy yeah messages so this is where i get fired up i do feel like there's some amazing fantastic things that come from religion but there's a lot of harm too and shaming very normal things is one of the harms that yes. i think we need to start calling out yeah. so i'm glad that you got and the church got some of that publicity to like talk about call it out yeah like not okay masturbation and yes i mean i've been pushing the envelope for a long time you know i i wrote my first um kind of now famous blog about masturbation not you know being able to see it as not a sin um 10 years ago almost now so and i was worried i mean i was an active lds Mm -hmm. fairly i mean i i it's always hard to like label yourself you know are you believing are you not believing those are very binary kind of terms even just for belief mm-hmm. it's a I, was, I was yeah i was a you know what i would consider myself a nuanced believer at the time and um i was very worried about my membership then you know quite frankly wow. when i pushed that publish button on my blog i thought this might be the end of my relationship with my church and i didn't want that obviously i didn't yeah. want that now even. oh so, my gosh um, and i did notice i mean i did notice that People stopped referring to me. LDS Family Services wouldn't return my calls, you know, things like that. Um, so I probably had like a 30 to 40% decrease in my clientele at that point. Um, mm. But then other people start coming, right? Yeah. So it's interesting when you become unsafe for one group, you kind of become safe for another. Yeah. yeah. So maybe when I was more conservative in my presentation, the believers felt more comfortable with me as I became mm. more comfortable talking about more um fringe topics than either believers or post or nuanced mormons who were struggling with those issues became comfortable with me which actually aligns with the research so when you have like religious therapists that give off the signal that they're religious uh, the clients know that and they'll only share so much with you so that's why it's so important for us as therapists to be kind of consistently looking at our own biases well i mean any practitioner should always be. Yeah, that's part of being a, a good practitioner. So looking at your own biases, no matter what, um, yeah. anything you think of. Um, I mean, like my own therapist is Mormon. And so I've always been like, I'm going to shock the shit out of you right now. <laughs> so this is going on. See if you can handle I, it. Yeah. Like I just, I, now I do it for shock factor, but I'm like, actually, it's kind of nice because I can just be like, man, I don't, you know, but um yeah, and I welcome that. I welcome right? the shock factors. I'm like, I've, <laughs> I've got to be able to take it if I'm going to be your therapist. And if I can't, then that's my issue, mm. not yours, mm-hmm. right? So as long as there's no boundary crossings. Right. Like, and to like, give him like credit, danger. he's completely, he's handled it very, very, very professionally and has never, um, he did kind of center a couple things and he's like, now let's go back to this, this girlfriend. Now let's go back to the, and I'm like, I'm just not sure you understand what, mm-hmm. you know, this, and mm-hmm. so you think that there's something still unsolved there, but um, it was fine. We healthy conversations yeah. been great, but and that's good to know that. I mean, because I I do believe there are Mormon or religious therapists, and I count myself one of them that can practice ethically, and that it mm-hmm. doesn't matter to us what you bring to the table, yeah, and it and shouldn't. we're pretty understanding. And then there's secular therapists who have a bias against religious people. And then yeah. there's religious therapists who can't handle their own religion when yeah. they're in the room with somebody who is presenting differently. So I've seen that intersection, you know, of all the people who show up in the mental health fields. 
And that's a whole other conversation that's coming up. I don't know if you followed this part or not, but there was a professional letter written on my behalf. Yes, you called for it. You were asking was for signed. it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I called for letters of support, but mm-hmm. one of my colleagues said, well, what about a professional letter? And I was like, that'd be great. Oh, so and then wonderful. four days later, there was this amazing document signed by like, I think 400 people at the time. It's, it's now up to 800 clinicians who have signed that letter. We're basically saying, hey, church or churches, you know, because even though this is a Mormon story, I think it's a bigger story. Oh, completely. This happens everywhere. I just spent the last decade of my life in the Bible Belt, so I saw it happening there, too. But they're like, you can't, you know, you can't tell us how to practice. You can't keep us silent on things that have to do with emotional, relational, and sexual health that is supported by research and best practice. So... If, if they're gonna say, well, I can't be a member and practice as a clinician, then what does that mean for the hundreds and hundreds of therapists here in Utah alone? Now, of course, the church likes to say, oh, it's not because you were practicing, it's because you were loud, right? And I said a naughty word. I said prick. Oh. So that was really bad. Who did anyway. you call a prick now? I can't remember. I can't remember either. Okay, because I because I, I remember reading I don't through think, it, and now I, I don't think I really actually called anybody. A, I call I have this term called patriarchal prick, which to me is kind of symbolic. <laughs> it's symbolic. We're getting T-shirts made. Oh my god, that's beautiful. <laughs> All the donations will go. You know to. what? I think that should be a title for like our listeners, the patriarchal pricks. It's like, well, it's kind of like the Molly Mormons, right? It's kind of like one of these terms that you're not really calling any one person that, but you're you're basically saying, this is a pattern I see. Mm-hmm. It's like this men is a faceless, or yes. systems mm-hmm. yes. that you know have a lot of privilege mm-hmm. and use that. It, and it's a, it's even in the Mormon scripture. It's called unra- unrighteous dominion, right? So they just say it more fancy, and I came up with that term. So I have used that term, but I didn't say, you know, this person is that. I just used it. And um, and actually where they got it from was my Facebook page. It was a quote about not replacing one patriarchal prick with another. And I really don't know if I was talking about a church member or President Trump. Oh, that's that's really even don't better. Know. I don't well, I don't know if that's even better, but it's better for me. <laughs> Because I was looking at the comments and I was like, well, this was kind of around that same time and what was happening and I don't know. So, but yeah, they're, they're upset that I'm being loud and vocal about my positions. Um, yeah, that's, but I think to be fair, a, I don't think they're used to women speaking up. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's part of patriarchy. Yes. Right. And I think, um, where I have a problem is, like, let's say I was like a doctor that treated cancer. And I knew that in my community, there was like a polluted water stream that was causing the cancer. Mm-hmm. But instead of telling anybody about it, I just keep on seeing all the clients and treating them and making money uh. off of them. That's how I started feeling. I was like, I can't stay silent on things that are obviously hurting our people. Sure. And um, so that, but that's an interesting step into advocacy work, right? As a therapist, sometimes you're just kind of quiet. You're a blank slate and you let people come in. But to be a therapist and to be an advocate, I was kind of playing two roles. Social workers are trained to do that better than marriage and family therapists, which is what I am. But I still felt that responsibility. I can't just stay silent after teenager and teenager or couple and couple Mm. or gay person or lesbian person come into my office suffering and really, in my view, unnecessary, tragic ways. Yeah. Well, and you were um, part of a, a big proponent for when we had interviews with the um, minors and that's right, being with bishops. And I remember going in so young and not being okay, being so uncomfortable. Mm. We had a, a, a episode that we actually ended up having to delete or take down because um the blowback 
had hurt this person who shared her story about mm. her bishop hurting her when she was young. And, oh, wow. And so then she was like, well, it got back to my family, and my family knew this bishop, and now it's just really bad for me. And so we ended up having to take that down. And um, That's really unfortunate that there's so much shame around all of that still. Mm-hmm. And there's just not support. And so, but Like shaming the person who was hurt mm-hmm. is the worst part of it. Yeah. The, the, um, not being mad that the bishop did it. Right. Like the person we should be mad at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Holy so, shit. So just even protecting the, those who are innocent and things like that. And I know a lot of people were like, oh, it's just these big, you know, whistleblowers that want to just be loud and mm-hmm. get this. And mm-hmm. I, so I was so excited to hear that there was a lot of movement in that. Yeah. And I was like, yes, let's stop that. <laughs> yeah. No, that was Sam Young who mm-hmm. headed that. And he asked me to kind of be the mental health professional voice of that movement and i was more than happy yeah i had spoken about that issue many times before i'd written about that issue but um he was the type of character that could bring it more to light and i was really happy to see that so there are lots of people who feel like i do who think like i do who serve our community like i do um for whatever reason i'm in the limelight right now but that will be like a 10 minute story. Really. The bigger story is what are we going to do about it? So what are we going to do about it? (laughs) That's a good question. Let's talk about it. (laughs) Um, I think having those outlets, who do you go to? Who can you say something to? If you feel like this is happening. Um, Cause I feel like if someone else is worried about their membership status, now they're not going to, they're going to actually be quieted Mm -hmm. even more. So where can we go? Where can we um, support that? I'm more than happy to be loud. I still have my membership. So if anyone wants me excommunicated, you can totally find me. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how how much uh, stir we can get with this. But um, be a fun next news cycle, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it is nice to see a lot of my professional colleagues who. Um, our LDS stand up either by signing this document yeah. or stating concerns on their own podcasts or as they've been interviewed by news stories. I did a great podcast with like five other LDS female therapists, um, all active. And, you know, they had so many uh, wise and interesting things to say about this issue. Mm-hmm. So it is it is um, at some point, you know, the tipping point gets to a point where there's too many people that you'd have to Can't be discipline mm-hmm. that you, it kind of blows over. And unfortunately, that's how a lot of social justice happens in general. You know, social justice doesn't really happen with the first person who's like, hey, there's a problem. It's like yeah. it, mm-hmm. it usually it takes a very historical lean and there has to be enough people pushing like even gay marriage here in this country you know like 30 years ago everybody thought it was an abomination and a sin and Mm -hmm. you know just going through the 80s and the aids epidemic was horrific yeah Yeah, horrific how the homosexual population was treated and what they had to deal with um and then, you know, t- as of 10, 15 years ago, there's huge support now for gay marriage in this country. You know, it's like a no-brainer at this point. So what? H- how does that happen? Typically, it happens because people start listening to stories of people that they know. Mm. So that's why secrecy is so deadly and silence and shame. Sexual shame is so secret whether it's sexual trauma, sexual assault, <clears throat> sexual shame from a religious culture. Uh, we really, ha- I mean, the Me Too movement kind of started that ball rolling. Yeah. And we can see some of that starting to shift and people being held accountable that would have never been held accountable 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, so I think that that's, we're starting to see that. Um and but I think you know when you say well where do we start I think you start in your own home Mm. in your own small level of influence if you're an LDS family for example you can talk to your kids you can get them comprehensive sexual education materials you can do your research you can teach them proper boundaries if you want to you know have a relationship with your church and what's okay or not okay to be asked you know, by adults, um, you can request now to be in the room with your child, which kind of came off the 
you know, the shoulders of Sam Young's work. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are things that you can do. And then, of course, if you're a therapist, you know, this is kind of a big moment. Are you going to be silent or are you going to speak up? And if you think you're on the right side because you're against me, I would encourage you to get some sexual education from an accredited space and see if you're willing to be a little bit pushed on your biases and discriminations. Because I did that work and it was uncomfortable for me. It's uncomfortable. And then that, you know, but growth and awareness sometimes isn't comfortable. <laughs> so well, and it's our responsibility. It It is. We can't just mm-hmm. wait for it to land in our laps. Yeah. And I think that's, and I think even being scared to um, go seeking out what, so when you say accredited, I love that. Thank you. Don't just Google shit, you know? Um, I I mean, you can if you want. You'll feel kind of dirty after. Even I do. Even I'm worried about Googling stuff and just kind of perusing what happens or what comes up. But um, finding those who are very educated um, that are willing to share. There's so many sex educators um, that have are really careful with how they you know share those so they understand it's not triggering or or really uncomfortable for others to hear it and we we really just want those healthy messages out there right i get fired up but i don't want anyone to feel like because you don't know this or that you do still believe in something else that maybe um is different than mine means anything different for me or um i think that's what's hard just because I'm fired up and I am passionate about spreading those doesn't mean I'm fired up against you. Right, right. Well, I think we should all be fired up about good sexual education and sexual health. Um, I think parents should be concerned about this. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of issues with consent. We have a lot of issues with uh, mutual pleasure. Um, When you don't teach your girls about their clitoris, when you don't teach your boys about a clitoris, you're setting up big time problems for 20 years, even five years from now when they go off to college. Um, We want our kids to be safe. We want our kids to be responsible. We want to be teaching good principles of sexual health, right? And Mm -hmm. so I think that this is something we should all be fired up about. It it impacts most everybody's life. Um, And there's a lot of potential for pleasure. There's a lot of potential for health. Uh, when you're having good sex optimal um, sexuality i want everyone to get that into their vocabulary (laughs) you have the right to strive for optimal sexuality not just anti-shame but like the other side of that spectrum like that healthy side not just the negative or like the lack of negative yeah i love that you said that because sometimes we focus on what we don't want instead Mm -hmm. of like trying to figure out well what is it that we do want and deserve and what i get Mm -hmm. to have not just being like i don't feel dirty so we'll call it a win right no we get to be excited and thriving and that's right yeah having lots of orgasms hopefully and lots of pleasure and lots of naked touch and lots of cuddling (laughs) whatever it is that you like We can leave cuddling on the table. That's fine. But I like cuddling. I know. There's at least one person in this room who likes to cuddle. I like it for about 10 minutes and then I get claustro. (laughs) Yeah, I think. um, I feel cuddle shamed. Do you feel cuddle shamed? There's no cuddle shame. No. Would you ever um, be a cuddle person? Like offer your services to cuddle someone else? Yeah. Yeah. I've been to cuddle parties. Mm. You know what? It might be easier for that because then I know that's all that's like like that's the the expectation is just cuddling. Oh, but I'm like, when do you stop? Like when do you? So you're afraid to put the keys in the ignition because you might end up driving down the road. (laughs) Is that what you're saying? It's more just like (laughs) maybe because I haven't learned like that, and so it's just like it's always awkward. I'm like, and we just moved into cuddle surrogacy. (laughs) In case anybody wants to know, right? Yeah, we just jumped. Yeah, we. I mean, I'd I'd have to check with my wife, but yeah, I'd be a cuddle surrogate. That's awesome. Love it. Oh, funny. You get all, I don't want you to feel cuddle shamed. I'm sorry. For you that. cuddle shamed me. Mm-hmm. That's going in the, that's definitely going in the uh, glossary is like. The glossary. Yeah, you but it'll say, it'll the say. You could have glossary for a second. Uh, yeah, I know I'm like to phase it. 
uh, it'll go cuddle shame and then like basically anything Mariah says to Brady. Like that, that'll be the definition of cuddle shame. <laughs> right? Uh, oh my. Any, any other trends that you're seeing that are either on the healthy spectrum too? Like that you're like, yes, we're slowly getting there. I mean. Yeah, well, I think that the, um, you know, the, the, oh, what is it called? The orgasm gap. Mm, you know, yes. we're, starting, we're starting to get a lot more attention to that. Female bodies are not having as many orgasms as male bodies. And what is that about? And so books like Becoming Clitorate by Dr. Lori Mintz or oh, I she, love that Clitorate. Come as You Are. The word, or, it's so fun. Yeah, there's a lot of good books out there. Uh, OMGS.com. Oh, if you haven't checked that place out, that's a great place, especially if you're having problems understanding how to reach orgasm mm. or anorgasmic. They're really doing a great job of actually teaching women how to their potential for pleasure. That's awesome. Um, and it's all research-based. OMGS.com. I'm pretty sure it's .com. Uh, it might be .org, but I don't think so. And for like a $40 one-time subscription, you get access to all their materials, which is all research-based. And there are, you know, you, you have to be comfortable with some... Um, showing of female body parts and how to touch and manipulate, but it's mm -hmm. a sexual education tool, which um, I don't consider pornography, um, which is kind of a yucky term anyway, because it has um, a lot of shaming background in sex work. Yeah, And so I like to use the term sexually explicit materials, which by the way, can be a lot of different things. Well, and, and, <laughs> and the intention of why it was produced, why it's mm -hmm. being consumed. I mean, it gets really, right. yeah. Right. But sexually explicit materials can come in a lot of forms, like video, audio, literature, poetry. Um, and some sexually explicit materials we see as very normal and actually healthy. And, you mm -hmm. know, most art museums will have nude photographs that even little children go and see, you know. Um, so that's sexually explicit. You know, it's, a, it's nude, but it's... Um, part of the human story and sexuality will always be part of the human story. So no it matter is. what technology comes up, they always say they always find a, a way to use it for sex first <laughs> because people are so curious. <laughs> so voila, the internet, right? Yeah. Voila, the internet. <laughs> the rise of sexually explicit materials that are available. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so I, I see that there is a, a quite a bit of interest in non-monogamy. I think you mentioned that. So, mm -hmm. um, which is interesting as far as, um, you know, we come from centuries of religious kind of um, both religious and political pressure for monogamy. And not that I'm against monogamy or pro non-monogamy. I, I think there's really a lot of pros and cons to both. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I am glad to see a lot of the um, emphasis on ethical non-monogamy yes. and how that can be contracted and can even help uh, primary partners who want to be primarily monogamous still have some excitement and, and um different chapters of their lives if that fits into their values see so see when i say something like this it's yes. like oh excommunicate her well, well I, you, how many you know? people just shut off and stopped listening after you maybe. said nom nog me because yeah, they couldn't maybe. even like just let me just hear to the end okay in a non-judgmental way can we just approach this with curiosity and there's an assumption that because i'm talking about it that i either agree with it or mm -hmm. do it and whatever I do in my own personal life, as far as non-monogamy is concerned, first of all, is none of anybody's business. But secondly, I can't talk about the clinical aspect of that from my personal lens. You I just can't. have to say, yeah. this is what's happening. This is what we're noticing. This is what the data is saying. These are the pros and these are the cons of what we're currently noticing about this population and what mm -hmm. um, and people are interested in. And I definitely see that interest. I don't know if there's any data because I don't know. Well, I know the church is doing data on Mormons, but I don't know that they're doing non-monogamy data as far mm -hmm. as post-Mormon interest. But I do think that's how a lot of post-faith um, post journeys deal with that what-if syndrome Oh, by at least trying exploring. a chapter of non-monogamy. And sometimes that goes really well. Sometimes I feel like they jump into it too quickly or uninformed. 
and it can kind of blow up a marriage. And sometimes it was the last stitch to save a marriage. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like complicated things there too that I've really enjoyed working with in the last 10 years and knowing more about. Yeah, honestly, it's so fascinating and I could talk about it all day. It just, <laughs> But there is, it's so multifaceted, really knowing that just because that's one, some, one person's experience or one journey mm-hmm. it does not mean it's gonna be replicated. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, and then you're looking at different partners, mm-hmm. different viewpoints, different values, needs, all sorts of things. But then the last thing I'll say as far as what I'm noticing, obviously the LGBTQIA plus 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 is really kind of I think coming into their own in a lot of way. I mean we still have a long way to go, but from you know non-binary to queer to asexual to so many words that weren't even in the vocabulary yes. even just 10 years ago. And there's a great YouTube video called the, I think the ABCs of LGBTQ+. I'd have to look it up maybe. But so like like every letter in the alphabet has, you know, oh, is represented like, oh, that's in, the, neat. in this kind of community. And I, and I thought it was really artistically and well done. So that's a whole population that's really finally, I think, able to start exploration mm-hmm. and get recognition and support mm-hmm. yeah. although again in my own community there's still really a lot of um a lot of discrimination and sadness around being gay and i mean we're still fighting conversion therapy legally yeah. right i mean legally we're still fighting conversion therapy in this country which is bizarre which is bizarre and and in the state i want to clarify too that in the states where it's become illegal it's only for minors so (gasps) it's not if you're an adult and you want to go get conversion therapy you can because of the social pressure um pushes someone well i mean yeah nobody's challenging that so there's there's you know when you talk about what can we do i say start in the home Mm -hmm. that there's a professionals but then there's like the legal ramifications and actually changing the laws of our country and one thing that i see really problematic is um we talk about religious freedom a lot, and I now see that code as code to keep these very traditional values um, as ways to legally discriminate against people. Because I don't really see anybody stopping anybody from being religious. We've got FLDS, we've got the Amish, we've got people yeah. who are pretty much like in their mm-hmm. own, if you want to go off and be as traditional as you want to be and not even send your kids to public school, which I think is kind of dangerous, even how we allow some of the children to grow up in some of those communities. Be groomed for such, yeah. Mm -hmm. This might sound kind of crazy, but have you ever watched a documentary about the Church of Satan? I have not. You would love it. (laughs) Should I look at the documentary? I got recommended to me by a very good friend. Okay. And uh, it's basically like this religious group organizes, I don't know, in like Georgia or something, and they want to put the Ten Commandments in the state house. And the Satanists show up, and of course the religious are like, oh, great, they're going to argue. And they're like, we love this idea, but we also want a statue of Satan right next Mm -hmm. to it. Mm -hmm. And then the church is like, yeah, we'll just like not put our thing in if we don't have to put your thing in right Right. we're a country founded on puritanical christian beliefs right and so everything that was formed in god's name comes from this puritanical history but you're absolutely right religious freedom people who are interested in religious freedom are usually people who are interested in only their their freedom freedom. yeah their freedom to do their thing not to leave yeah they want to impose their will on others yeah right so maybe we should get the satanists on board the what? We should get the Satanists on yeah. board with conversion <laughs> therapy and see what they can do about it. They've already done a lot with um, abortion and bodily autonomy. Yeah. And all sorts of stuff. So I think we should get the Satanists mm. on board. I'll uh, make some phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, seeing some trends. Okay. So, we're getting there we're moving we're moving we're moving but i think we've got a long way to go oh we have such a long way to go like, i don't, i really can't think of one client who's come through my office regardless of their background even atheist who hasn't been affected by sexual shame in this country so because it's in our media mm-hmm. it's in our it's in our bulletin boards it's 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 we social media even even outside religion you know men are constantly shamed about their penis size women are constantly shamed about their boobs or butt size or their tummy tucks you know i mean 
We have so many messages. We're really, it's about sexuality almost being like a performance. Like you got to show up and perform. You got to mm -hmm. look right. You got to act right. You got to moan right. You've got to be clitorate. <laughs> well, that's actually good. <laughs> I worked really hard on that one, so I am proud of that one. I know he had to hurry and finish his drink. He was like, you I'm got to be clitorate. <laughs> You Jump have to be. But I wouldn't want you to be clitor in a performance way where you're like super focused and like, I've got to touch it just right. And I've got to do it. You know, I, it's more about pleasure focused. So yeah. We don't know about, I mean, we're not yeah. pleasure focused. And so it's, I want people to show up in a way about like, what feels good? How do we communicate about what feels good? Are we both in here? And how do you listen? Excited mm -hmm. and wanting to be here. Yeah. How do we listen? Mm -hmm. And That's so what I've got to show up with the right lingerie and the right clitoral move, and then all will go well. well but they're all different. <laughs> all the clitoral moves are so different. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly my pleasure. It's so like, a, it's like his instructional book. He's like, hold on, that one didn't work. Let's go to the next one. It's like a fingerprint, right? Everybody's got their own fingerprint. Everyone's on. Everyone's got their own clitor. A bet. Clitter. Alphabet? Yeah, clitter. Clitter a bet. Clitter a bet? Yeah. Oh, this is very exciting. Uh, and it also depends on the um the spectrum Planguage. of arousal oh yeah because yeah. you touch my clitoris uh, at a seven this is gonna be very different than when you touch my clitoris at a two so yeah. i'm gonna be knocking you out at a two when at a seven i'm gonna be like woo that was nice yep. <laughs> so there's a lot of things to yeah. be thinking about but if we can be pleasure focused that would be great yeah so you you've talked about you you want to create this website for sexual shame yes and um Obviously, working as a therapist, one-on-one -on -one yes. with clients. Do you do group therapy at all? We are starting to do some group support. Okay. So I run a group practice. It's called Symmetry Solutions. Yeah. And we actually just got the domain getmormonhelp.com. It will take us to, it will take you to Symmetry Solutions' page. Sorry. Mm -hmm. You're fine. Um, because I feel like there's a lot of people who, <clears throat> whether they're post, nuanced, or still in need help from that culturally competent lens of Mormonism. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean I can't work with non-Mormons or that my team can't, but we just see so much need in that space. So we're offering free um, support groups for faith transitions. And it's been my goal since moving here to Utah two months before COVID hit. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's great timing. I know. I was so excited. I had a group space. I was going to oh. have like female sexuality groups. And I was, yeah. So we're going to, you know, we're going to be working on a lot of those kinds of things. Um, I do offer a mixed faith marriage class mm -hmm. through marriage on a tightrope podcast. Um, and yeah, and then I'm going to, and my, my website, natashahelfer.com, has lots of resources. So, like, yeah. book recommendations, all these books and things that I've mentioned, you can find there. I've got two pages of notes. I've been noticing. Resources. Look at you. I, I have some webinars for things like if you're the low libido partner, if you're the high libido partner, if you mm. are turned on by things your partner isn't turned on by, how do you have those conversations? I have lots of webinars. Um, I have written a book called Check Your Baggage, which is just kind of like a, a workbook to try to help you start, begin to think, what mm. are the messages that I've gotten that are in my head that are still getting in the way of my sexual pleasure? So that's, you know, like an intro type of book. Um, I've also written a book for mixed faith families, mixed faith marriages. Um, so I try to do a lot of different things. But I was just getting tired of my Facebook page constantly being the excommunication stuff. So that's why I'm like, I have to put it on a website. <laughs> <laughs> I can't continue to just put it all on my Facebook page. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> so, awesome. Yeah. So that's kind of a little bit about what I'm about. And I have um, the people who work for me, many of them are training to be sex therapists under me as well. Um, we have some coaches as well that work specifically with um, faith issues in particular. Mm -hmm. So lots of resources. And if we can't help you, we're really committed to helping you find somebody who can. Yeah. And and that's I think just a professional courtesy. Yeah. I mean there's if someone can offer referrals. Yeah, referral is such a big piece and mm -hmm. that's so wonderful. Yeah. We, we also offer a free um one hour consultation to any ecclesiastical leader from the church. So we've done that forever. That's awesome. So if you're a bishop or relief side president or a stake president who wants you know, who has an issue going on in your ward that you don't know how to Mm. manage will offer you one hour 
free consultation at Symmetry. But I don't know how many people will take me up on that now that I'm a big <laughs> yeah. sex communication lady. <laughs> She's the sex Darn communication. <laughs> She's trying to get people to work on their problems. Brady, I think you need to distance a little bit more. It's contagious. What? <laughs> the sex communication. Sex communication? Oh, yeah, I did. Sex communication. Well, I'm not going to write it down again. It's on the front page. Yeah, I know you're good. I'm just saying. But, yeah, so, I mean conversations are never going to hurt education is never going to hurt and you can always reject what we tell you or what we advise or what we think so nobody's under our spell just because they come to see us (laughs) or see me (laughs) that was an awesome like i love it that was a wonderful show yeah 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 we like officially done i'm hoping that there's going to be a a part two more questions um, Anything fangirling over there? <laughs> no, I mean, like I'm, I, I've, I'm just. It's been so exciting, and I've been so proud of you. I feel like you. I were tried really hard to really contain myself and not <laughs> flood the show with me. You, said, you both said a few things, like when you were like, "I can't swallow it." I was like, "Okay, flood." I'm like, "Well, don't so they can, and anyone who's interested can go to your website, natashahelford.com. Yes. Okay. And if anyone has anything to add to this conversation, you can always reach out at saltysexcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, um, Twitter, at, at Salty Salty Sex Sex Cast. And then if you really want to join our party and get exclusive content, you can become a Patreon member at patreon.com forward slash saltysexcast. We're always doing fun stuff. We meet once a month for a Zoom party, so come join us. All right, everyone, stay sexy and salty. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. I kind of love it. And what's puberty? Puberty? Well, puberty's a lot of things. Here's the piece. When you hear about it first, it sounds very strange. Oh, if it really bothers you, you should see a doctor. Then at puberty, certain glands begin to work and our bodies begin to change. It enlarges the penis itself. And there's a center opening between those two, which is called the vagina. The sex education you wish you had in high school. Maybe a diagram will help.